Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and I'm reading today from a book called The Private Key to Heaven, The Private Key to Heaven by Thomas Brooks, the English nonconformist preacher and writer who died in 1680. He's talking about private prayer all the way through, and then he's giving us 11 words of counsel as to that private prayer. His eighth advice was that we should be thirsting for communion with God. And then in the middle of that, he asks this question where we ended last time, but how shall a man know when he has a real communion with God in a duty or no? And so here are some of his answers. Number one, even in tears. First, a man may have communion with God in sorrow and tears, when he has not communion with God in joy or delight. A man may have communion with God in a heart-humbling, heart-melting, and heart-abasing way, when he has not communion with God in a heart-reviving, heart-cheering, and heart-comforting way. It is a very great mistake among many tender-spirited Christians to think they have no communion with God in their closets except they meet with God embracing and kissing, cheering and comforting up their souls, when they find God raising the springs of joy and comfort in their souls, or when they find God speaking peace to them, when they find the the singular sensible presence of God cheering, refreshing, and enlarging them in their closets, oh, then they are willing to grant that they have had sweet communion with God in their closets. But if God meets with them in their closets and only breaks their hearts for sin, And from sin, if he meets with them and only makes his power and his presence manifest in debasing and casting down of their souls upon the sight and sense of their strong corruptions and many imperfections, how unwilling are they to believe that they have had any communion with God? Well, friends, remember this once for all, that a Christian may have as real communion with God in a heart-humbling way as he can have in a heart-comforting way. A Christian may have as choice communion with God when his eyes are full of tears, as he can have when his heart is full of joy. Sometimes God meets with a poor Christian in his closet and exceedingly breaks him and humbles him, and at other times he meets with the same Christian in his closet and mightily cheers him and comforts him. Sometimes God meets with a poor soul in his closet, and there he sweetly quiets and stills him. At other times, he meets with the same soul in his closet, and then he greatly revives him and quickens him. God doth not always come upon the soul one way. He doth not always come in at one and the same door. We sometimes look for a friend to come in at the front door, and then he comes in at the back door. And at other times... When we look for him at the back door, then he comes in at the front door. And just so it is with God's coming into his people's souls. Sometimes they go into their closets and look that God will come in at the front door of joy and comfort. And then God comes in at the back door of sorrow and grief. Other times when they think God would come in at the back door of humiliation, breaking and melting of their hearts, God comes in at the front door of joy and consolation, cheering and rejoicing their souls. Number two, not all communion is the same. 
And secondly, I answer that all Christians do not enjoy a like communion with God in their closets. Some enjoy much communion with God, and others enjoy but little. Moses had a more clear, glorious, and constant communion with God in his days than any others had in those times wherein he lived. God spake to none face to face as he did to Moses, and Abraham in his time had a more close, friendly, and intimate communion with God than Holy Lot or any others had in that day. And though all the disciples, Judas accepted, had sweet communion with Christ in the days of his flesh, yet Peter, James, and John had a more clear choice and full communion with him than the rest had. Among all the disciples, John, it seems, had the most bosom communion with Christ. <clears throat> he was the greatest favorite in Christ's court. He leaned on Christ's bosom. He could say anything to Christ, and he could know anything of Christ, and he could have anything of Christ. And now that all Christians do not enjoy communion with God alike in their closets, may be thus made evident. First, all Christians do not prepare alike to enjoy closet communion with God, and therefore all Christians do not enjoy communion with God alike in their closets. Commonly, he that prayers, prepares, and fits himself most for closet communion with God, he is the man that enjoys most. Secondly, all Christians do not alike prize communion with God in their closets. Some prize it before all and above all other things. As that noble Marquis said, Cursed be he that prefers all the world to one hour's communion with God. They look upon it as that pearl of price for the enjoyment of which they're ready to sell all and part with all. Others prize it at a lower rate and so enjoy less of it than those that set a higher price and value upon it. Thirdly, all Christians do not alike press after communion with God in their closets. Some press after it as a condemned man presses after a pardon, or as a close prisoner presses after enlargement, or a poor beggar presses after alms. Now, you know these press on with the greatest earnestness, the greatest fervency, the greatest importunity imaginable. But others press more coldly, more carelessly, more slightly, lazily. Uh, Song of Solomon, I have put off my coat, how shall I put it on? I have washed my feet, how shall I defile them? Now, they that press hardest after communion with God, they are usually blessed with the highest degree of, of closet communion. Fourthly, all Christians do not alike improve their communion with God. Therefore, all Christians do not enjoy it alike. Some Christians do make a more wise, humble, holy, faithful, fruitful, and more constant improvement than others do. Therefore, they are blessed with higher degrees. Some Christians do more improve their closet communion with God against the world, flesh, and devil than others do. And therefore, no wonder if they enjoy it more than others do. Fifthly, all Christians do not alike need communion with God. And therefore, all Christians do not have the like. All Christians have not a, a like place in the mystical body of Christ. Some rule, others are ruled. Now, every man stands in more or less need of it, according to that place that he bears in the body. 
Again, all Christians have not alike burdens to bear or difficulties to encounter with or dangers to escape or temptations to wrestle with or the same passions and corruptions to mortify, uh, nor alike mercies and experiences to improve. And therefore, all Christians do not need it the same. Now, commonly, God lets himself out more or less in ways of communion according to the various necessities and conditions of his people as they do require. Well, sixthly and last in this series, all Christians do not alike meet with outward interruptions nor inward interruptions. And therefore, all Christians do not have alike communion in their closet. Some Christians meet with a world of outward and inward interruptions more than others do. <clears throat> Excuse me. Some Christians' outward callings, relations, conditions, and stations do afford more plentiful matter and occasions to interrupt them than other Christians. Besides, Satan is more busy with some Christians than he is with other Christians, and corruptions work more strongly and violently in some than others. And let me add this to all the rest, that the very natural tempers of some Christians are more averse to closet duties than the natural tempers of other Christians. And therefore, all Christians do not have a like communion. But some have more and some have less, according as God, in his infinite wisdom, sees best. <clears throat> now, let no Christian say that he has no communion with God because he has not such a full choice, sweet, sensible, and constant communion with God as such and such saints have had, or as such and saint, such saints now have. For all saints do not alike enjoy this. Some have more, some have less. Some have a higher degree, other a lower. Some are wrapped up in the third heaven, others are but wrapped up in the clouds. What man is there so childish and babyish as to argue thus, that he has no wisdom because he has not the wisdom of Solomon? or that he has no strength because he has not the strength of Samson, or that he has no life because he is not the swiftness of Ahimeaz, or no estate because he has not the riches of uh, the rich man of, of Luke 16. And yet, so childish and babyish many weak Christians are as to argue thus, that they have no communion with God because they have not such high, comfortable, and constant communion as such and such saints have had. Whereas they should seriously consider that though some saints have a great communion with God, yet other saints have small, and though some Christians have a strong communion, others have a weak, and though some of the people of God have very close and near communion with God, others have but a, a more remote communion, and though some of God's servants have daily, constant, uninterrupted communion, yet others have a, a more transient and inconstant communion. Well, number three, uh, communion in active graces. Thirdly, I answer, when a man acts grace in closet duties, then certainly he has uh, communion with God. When a man in closet duties acts faith on God, or faith on the promises, or faith on the blood of Christ, or when a man in private duties acts repentance for sin, or love to Jesus Christ, or or sets up God as the object of his fear or the object of his joy, then he has communion with God. He has fellowship with the Father and with the Son. An unregenerate man may act 
gifts and parts in a duty, but he cannot act grace in a duty. For no man can act grace in a duty, but he that has grace in his soul. And hence it comes to pass that unsanctified persons, under the highest activity of, of their arts, parts, and gifts in religious duties, enjoy no communion with God at all. Witness the scribes and Pharisees, Demas, Judas, Simon Magus, as ever you would have an evidence of your communion with God, carefully look to the activity of your graces and carefully stir up the grace of God which is in you. Fourthly, I answer, when a man hath communion with God in his closet, then he gives God the glory of all his actings and activities. Communion with God always helps a man to set the crown of praise and honor upon the head of God. Witness that gracious and grateful doxology of David and his people in First Chronicles excuse me, 29.13. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. Men that enjoy no communion with God in religious duties are still a sacrificing unto their own net, burning incense unto their own uh, fishing net, as it were. They are still a blessing themselves, stroking themselves, and applauding themselves. They think the garland of praise, um, the crown of honor, becomes no head but their own. But now, men that enjoy communion with God in religious duties, they will uncrown themselves to crown God. They will uncrown their duties to crown the God of their duties, the God. They will uncrown their arts, parts, gifts, and enlargements to set the crown of praise upon the head of God alone. Thou thinkest that thou hast communion with God in closet duties? Yea, thou sayest thou hast it, but on whose head do you put the garland of praise. If on God's head you have communion, if on yours you have none. As all the rivers run into the sea and all the lines meet in the center, so when all our closet duties terminate and center in the advance of God's glory, then we have communion. Constantine did use to write the name of Christ over his door. When a man has communion with Christ in a duty, then he will write the name of Christ, the honor of Christ, upon his, his duty. Some say that the name of Jesus was engraven upon the heart of Ignatius. Well, sure I am. When a man has communion with God in a duty, then you shall find the honor and glory of Jesus engraven upon that duty. And fifthly, I answer, when the performance of closet duties leaves the soul in a better frame, then a man has communion with God in them. When a man comes off from closet duties in a more holy frame, or in a more humble frame, or spiritual, or watchful, or heavenly, or broken, or quickened and enlivened, then certainly he has had that communion. When a man comes out of the closet and finds the frame of his heart to be more strongly set against sin than ever, highly resolved to walk with God than ever, more eminently crucified to the world than ever, and to be more divinely fixed against temptations than ever, then... Without all peradventure, he has had communion with God in his closet. Well, there are more responses to that. And we go on also soon to um, his other words of counsel. As he said, there are 11 of them. We're on number 8. We'll pick it up next time with Thomas Brooks. Thank you so much for being here today. 
Welcome back to the Hackberry House. Keep coming around. We've got hundreds of audios featuring some of the church's great preachers, persecution stories from North Korea, Bible studies on a number of subjects, and a blog. And if you want more fellowship, please consider buying one of the books at Amazon.com or contact me at bob.j.faulkner.72 at gmail.com. And I'll share details of our Saturday evening Zoom meeting for men and our Tuesday noon meeting for men and women. Well, this is the Hackberry House of Chosun. This audio is being released on the 31st of May, 2023. Lord willing, we'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.